AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Farm income projections for 2023 have been updated. And, as I'm sure you already know, there's not a lot of good news in the farm income trends. We'll talk elections. What states will decide the majority in the Senate, the USMCA, and we'll get reports from the road. Live! From December. <laughs> Snow and ice. <laughs> Via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk this morning. It's our Friday for Reaper-All. Panelists Jim Wiesmeyer and Sean Haney. Directly following Who? the news, Jennifer Scheich from Farm Journal's Pork. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. And now, welcome the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Flory. All right, Davis. It is good to be back in the bunker, my I friend. Bet. I bet. It is. It is. You know, Ooh. you spend just a couple of days in a two-hour difference, uh, you know, yeah. time zone, yeah. and it kind of, it, it, it kind of, you know, messes you up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But even though it felt really early getting up this morning, mm-hmm. it felt good getting up this morning. It's always it, good to wake up in corn time, isn't it, baby? It, yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? That's I what thought it is. CT, CT was Central Time. No, that's that's what the city folk try to tell you. It's corn time. It's corn time. <laughs> I love that. I mm-hmm. love it. How you doing, buddy? Everything good? I think I'm good. Man, it was a, it was a full week. Lots of scrambling, yeah. lots of fiddling yeah. around, but phew, we're almost there, yeah. man. Lots to look uh, to look at and talk about with our panelists today. Absolutely. Uh, and it's, you know, the, the we, we've got the varsity team back. I'll just say mm-hmm. it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Wiesmeyer is standing by ready to go. He was in Montana at the Montana Grain Growers event this week. We'll find out what, uh, what Jim learned there. I was at the Milk Business Conference out in Vegas. We've still got some things that we can talk about from there. And the conversations will bleed into some of the Farm Bill conversations that uh, uh, that we will be having on the show today. And Sean Haney, Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio, is back. He was at Agritechnica uh, in Germany. We'll find out what he learned there. And we've got, a, there's just a long list of items, Davis, mm-hmm. that I feel like we need to address as we head into the weekend. Absolutely, and as we open a fresh new month, we're here in December yeah. now. Yeah, uh, this is this is going to be great. We got the we got the band back together. Yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to today's show. Good, good deal, good deal. All right, let's get started on the news. I've got some daily sales, bro. 132,000 metric tons of beans for delivery to China during the 23-24 marketing year, and 198,000 metric tons of beans for delivery to unknown destinations. Yeah. During the 23-24 marketing year, Chip? It, my, the unknown on this one might not be China. I don't have that feeling this time. Mm-hmm. This feels more like it's a European. Rotterdam in particular is where a chunk of those unknown beans are going to be going. Mm-hmm. Heavy collective sigh here, buddy. Another week okay. has gone by with no action on government funding or the supplemental request for aid to Ukraine, Israel, or Taiwan. Regarding the Farm Bill, the same funding issues and policy differences remain. 
Other items in need of attention include Federal Aviation Administration reauthorization, Section 702 reauthorization and reform, and the National Defense Authorization Act. Watchers expect Congress will punt on all of these priorities until next year and chip. They may pass temporary extensions, further crowding the legislative calendar early in 2024. Fans of progress probably don't want to hear this. No, this is ridiculous. And we talked about it extensively in Vegas with the uh, with the dairy crowd. Just uh, mm-hmm. the level of frustration over the dysfunction in Congress yeah. is uh, it's thick. Uh, we're going to talk with Jim and, and Sean about it coming up here. Well, Chip, USDA's Economic Research Service released its annual farm sector income forecast report for 2023, which shows lower net farm income this year. Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack says while net farm income will drop below the record high in 2022, it's one of the best years on record for the overall farm sector at $151.1 billion. Yeah, but but nonetheless, the decline from 22 is going to, should, should refocus some efforts on the farm bill back to Title I, the safety net program. We'll talk with Jim about that. Well, Chip, Senator Chuck Grassley, along with other key House members, applauded the USDA's decision to extend the line speed trial for pork processors, but cautioned that the 30-day extension would do little to provide needed clarity for pork producers who contract with processors many months in advance. Grassley said, quote, while I'm happy with the extension, USDA risks creating a harmful bottleneck in the pork supply chain if the extension doesn't go any longer. Yeah, on again, off again is not what we need when it comes to the line speeds. We're going to talk to Jennifer about that here in just a moment. Actual fans of progress will like this one. Virgin Atlantic (laughs) Airlines has successfully completed the first transatlantic flight from London to New York City, fueled entirely by sustainable aviation fuel. Virgin Atlantic says its flight to New York's JFK International Airport was powered by fuel from plant sugars and waste fats and emitted, get this, 70% less carbon than oil-based jet fuel. Renewable Fuels Association head Jeff Cooper called the historic flight a milestone for the ethanol industry. Yeah, let's not forget that starch, cornstarch, is a plant sugar. (laughs) Well, Tip Canada's economic situation has shifted from a recession to what forecasting firm Capital Economics describes as a, quote, bumpy landing, at least for the time being. Maybe we can get some more from the Alberta breeze on that. Argentina, under the leadership of incoming President Javier Millet, has decided... Not to join the China-led BRICS bloc, this decision reflects a notable shift in the country's foreign policy. They're eyeing the dollar, Chip. This is interesting. Oh, yeah. It it absolutely is. Malay. Er, Malay. Malay. I think it's Malay, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's Malay. He, he's uh, He kind of marches to his own drumbeat, doesn't he? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to really get... Does. Yeah, I want to talk with Weissmeyer and Haney about that as well. So, all right. Thanks, buddy. Let's bring Take in care. Jennifer Scheich, editor of Farm Journal's Pork. Good morning, Jennifer. Good morning. How are you? Good, good, good. You heard the report there from Davis. Uh, It's good news that the line speed project has been extended. (laughs) What are they still trying to prove? It seems like it's been in place long enough that they should have been able to prove that the faster line speed works. Yeah, you know, it, it seems like they've done everything they can, but still they're saying that it's not enough sufficient data or it's not sufficient data to evaluate it yet. And so, um, I mean, good news is that we have an extension because reports are that, um, according to Iowa State University, that 
when those extensions, if those expire and they don't mm -hmm. allow them to be at that speed, it's going to drop capacity by at least 2.5%, which is about 260,000 hogs per month in that reduced output. And um, I saw uh, an article where it was stated that that would be about $10 ahead in Q1 and Q2 of 2024. Um, a loss to producers. I mean, we we don't need that right now. It is oh. it's tough times, and, and having that extra capacity is really important. And yeah. you know they're doing it safely, and it's going yeah. well. So yeah, you see that's the that's the thing right there, Jennifer. They're they're doing it safely for workers. They're doing it safely when it comes to food issues. Mm -hmm. If if the if they have proven because. This pilot project was started years and years ago. If they don't have data to support it now, I don't know when they ever will. Right. That's tough. Is 90 days going to provide it? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Hopefully, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hopefully. Hopefully. They'll Hopefully. find exactly what they're looking for in the next 90 days. <laughs> Jennifer, good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, that's Jennifer Shake, editor of Farm Journal's Pork. We've got the free-for-all coming up next. Wiesmeyer, Haney, Michelson, and me. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Welcome back to AgriTalk in the free-for-all. Uh, let's... Get, Davis, I, there's no reason to wait. Let's jump right into it. Jim Weisberg, right Pro Farmer Policy Analyst. How are you, buddy? Pretty good. Uh, the people in Montana, I'm telling you, I don't know who is nicer. The Montana people, North Dakota people, Minnesota, Iowa, they are just so, so warm. Are you going to leave Iowa honestly. nice out of this? I, I did. I, I it's all they're all Iowa and Minnesota nice, I'm telling you. And <laughs> in Great Falls, Montana, it was warmer there the day I spoke than it was in DC. So I loved it. I'll bet it was warmer there than what it was in Vegas. <laughs> Probably so. Yeah. 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 It 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 was it didn't give me any, you know, I want to go out and sit around the pool or anything like that. That's for sure. So well, we're glad that you're here, Jim. Sean Haney, real agriculture, real ag radio. Um, are you familiar with the format of of the free for all here on AgriTalk, Haney? I, I had to reread the uh, the notes, the, the the handbook that I was given the handbook, when I started the playbook. The show. I yeah. back. And, Welcome and back, Jim, man! Well, it's great to be back, and the reason that those states that Jim listed are are so nice is because they're so close to Canada, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know, I wanted to point out that Michelle Jones, who's been on AgriTalk more than a few times, times, was in the audience because she's a former president of the association. I gave her an AgriTalk shout out, Chip, and everybody yep. clapped. Oh, good. Yeah, good. That's great to great to hear. Yeah, well, great listeners up in in Montana. We know that for a fact. Um, and uh, Michelle does a great job representing the the um, thoughts of of what is what is going on among farmers up there. Um, you know what? I want to. I'm going to go to Sean here first. Agnortech. It's the second time I've tried to say it, and the second time I've messed it up. Agrotechnica. Uh, in Germany, you were there. What what blew you away? Well, yeah, it's it is the show of all shows. I, I describe it as the Super Bowl. I, I did run into Clinton Griffiths there when uh, yeah. we were on location. Um, it, it is you know, there's five hundred thousand people from around the world. Was there like twenty seven halls? Uh, it is by far the world's largest indoor show. There's nothing uh, at all like it. And, and 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 I've been now four times, Chip. Yeah. And, and I would say this is that this year was a little bit different. There's a bit of a reality check, I would say. You know, this is a show where the OEMs showcase like moonshot sort of innovations at, at times. You know, proto, there's a lot of prototyping, which uh, is code for this may never, ever hit the market. Right. And, and we saw a bit of a reality check, a pullback, a little bit more of like, you know, this is what we can do now. And, or this is what's coming next year instead of like, you know, like and I'll give you an example way less like almost non-existent electrical powered tractors now that's not to say there's not electric on the tractor or or an autonomous robot right but that robot is diesel powered and a yeah. real acceptance that we are way further away from being full electricity than say back in 2019 the last last time they had yeah. the the exhibition so there, there, it was a great show and uh, we're i got three to four months of videos to put out we did 70 videos in three and a half days Wow. Wow. That's a lot of work right there. No question about it. So this was the first show since 19. Yeah, they, they had canceled it three times on and off during the pandemic. It, it, it Agritechnica only happens every two years. Right. Um, and so it was scheduled to happen in 21, of course, and that was canceled because of all the shutdowns and things like that. So this is the first one where everybody got together. Uh, another point, you know, didn't see any Russians there um, and including Russian manufacturers. And, and part of the, that has a lot to do with sanctions and they, 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 they couldn't, you know, they can't get equipment back to, to the country. So that was one little bit of a difference uh, for sure. But it's um, yeah, it, it is by far the world's largest. It, and you, you'll see, oh, yeah. it, you will see a company that you have probably never heard of and they will have this massive footprint because they're doing a ton of business in in Asia and South America, yeah. and it's you yeah. know, they they may have one unit in North America. It is it's it's a pretty yeah. eye opening affair. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that Clinton came back with a similar report or similar comment uh, to that that you know companies that you just have no idea who they are are huge in Vietnam, and. Yeah. And they've got a display there that will blow you away. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Interesting. Jim, the move away from the electrification equipment or electrified equipment, does it surprise you? 
No, because you can see it in the numbers now, Chip, with the, their, the, all the major automobile companies are pleading with the Biden administration to soften yeah. the mandate. You're seeing yeah. it in the build, dramatic buildup, by the way, of unsold EVs uh, across the U.S. And the biggest reason is when crunch time came, whether or not I bought an EV or a gas-powered vehicle, I bought a gas-powered vehicle. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and just real real quickly to add on to that, uh, those that bought an EV once are not scrambling to replace their EV with a new EV. Hmm. Well, they find out that when with my research was that, you know, you have to buy several sets of tires more for an EV than a than a gas powered vehicle because of the weight chip of the yeah. uh, of the uh, EVs. Of the and of course, there's other things in the winter, the logistics yeah. that we've talked about. It's just not ready right now. Maybe in three yeah. years it will be not ready yet. Yeah. And yeah. the convenience of pulling up to a pump and filling up in five minutes versus plugging in for 20 12 hours is is becoming more and more of a factor in the decisions here. Haney, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say what we really heard from OEMs as well is a coming pullback in 24 in terms of sales demand. Um, that, that, that was something that we definitely heard loud and clear. Don't know how significant it's going to be and what the, the, the impact will be on pricing of equipment. It almost but feels like an election prediction. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? It, it, it had a part of the issue, I think, for manufacturers, and this is the same on the crop per, uh, crop protection side of the industry as well. Inventory, and and not just having inventory on the balance sheet, but expensive inventory because of the cost escalation yeah. that they've gone through the past two to three years. Yeah. And, and and trying to work that through the system now is, is really challenging some of the margins from from for those companies, indeed. Yeah. Well, Chip yeah. knows that John Deere is a barometer of the future for ag in any given year. And while they had a relatively good year, as they usually do, Bad. their forecast for the year ahead is a little weak. And yep. so I think that also signals what we're going to see in the grains area. Yeah, that's that that is rippling through the area here in northeast Iowa. You know, the bunker is just just north of Tractor Town, USA, and uh, uh, the concern over the sales and the decline in farm revenue. Uh, I it's it's not like when you when you sit at the bar and have a beer with your buddy that it, it's it's all you talk about, but it comes up. It comes up in the conversations, guys. Uh, and that farm income issue, Jim, 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 ad hoc payments drove us to a new record in farm income in 2022. And now the big reason that we're falling or one of the reasons that we're falling from that record high is expectations or the reality of fewer ad hoc payments in 23. It's upside yeah. down, man. Yeah, and it, but it also shows you a solid reason why that Title I safety net needs to be improved, Chip, Boy, because got we got used to those, what, $91 billion in, in, in uh, ad hoc payments uh, over the last three years. I did note that the dairy margin, margin coverage program, however, is forecast to make uh, about $1.3 billion in payments. That's up yeah. $1.1 billion compared to 2022. That shows you the significance of the lower milk prices, Chip. Yeah, well, yeah. It, 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 
it, it, it's a it's another example that once you get on that assistance wheel, mm-hmm. how difficult it is to pull the industry off of it. Yes. Right. Those, those oh, yeah. numbers get penciled in. Now, and wait, get a little... now, wait, is it how difficult it is to pull the industry off it or how difficult it is to pull lawmakers and vote chasers off it? Uh, both. And again, these farm income numbers do not, of course, reflect any additional uh, ad hoc disaster, a weather-related chip for 2022, let alone for this year. So I I think it's going to go up. Well, Chip, I'll give you an example of some of the assistance that's out there around the world. I heard in Germany, now this program's ending in 2024, but if you, in Germany, if you bought a top-end sprayer, it did, it has all the bells and whistles, Okay. Yeah. The government would give you 40% of that purchase price back. That's that's the kind of level of subsidization in some of these areas that it, that is out there. Well, who isn't going to buy a spray? Wow. <laughs> right? Really? It's crazy. I yeah. mean, just just because you're a farmer and buying a sprayer, you get 40% of it covered because of environmental. They're trying wow. to push people to have the 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 top the end technology to reduce drift and all that kind of stuff. Oh, oh, oh. I see. I see. So the the cause itself is not enough to move the industry in the direction. So here comes the government payments. Interesting. We've got a lot of ground that we're going to cover, We and we are going to cover it. We'll get to it next here on the Free For All. Wiesmeyer Haney, Michelson, and me here on AgriTalk. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. Joining us now, ProFarmer editor Brian Grady. Beach, corn and wheat have have been trying to trade together most of this week is what it, it feels like. Today, they're kind of sticking together, but there's not a whole lot of action. Yeah, not a whole lot, Chip, but uh, I would note that uh, the corn market's been under a little bit of pressure uh, for most of the session, but starting to firm up just a little bit. Nothing to get excited about other than the fact that it's it's trading above unchanged in most of the contracts. So uh, keep an eye on that, and, and that's starting to firm up uh, some of the SRW contracts as well. Uh, still facing a little bit of price pressure in the HRW and spring wheat contracts. Um, so got a little bit more work to do, but uh, just a mild firming tone here at, at mid-morning in, in corn and SRW wheat futures. Okay, and despite some export sales of soybeans announced this morning, we've got pressure on the soy complex. Yeah, so uh, China and unknown destinations were both buyers of uh, soybeans on a daily basis. And, and uh, like you said, just not translating into any strength in the futures this morning, largely because of uh, heavy pressure on meal futures. So meal futures are, are continuing to pull back here. And, and that's been kind of a theme over the past couple of weeks uh, after they made that uh, significant high uh, just ahead of yeah. Thanksgiving. All right. Sellers are back in the cattle complex. Good grief, man. Yeah, and, and feeders are leading us to the downside. They're, they're posting heavy losses. And if we see the corn market uh, start to work higher from these mid-morning, uh, the mid-morning firming that I talked about, then you'll probably see an extension of losses in feeder cattle into the weekend. Uh, that's weighing on live cattle, so about moderate strength in that market. And then the hog futures, uh, they're slightly to moderately lower here at mid-morning as well. All right, buddy, you have a good weekend. We will talk to you on Tuesday when you're on, well, we'll talk to you on Monday too, but Tuesday when you're on the afternoon show. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. 
The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. On your favorite radio station or your preferred digital device, AgriTalk is live every weekday. Welcome back to the free-for-all here on AgriTalk. Wiesmeyer Haney, Michelson, and me, your host, Chip Flory. Uh, uh, at Milk Business Conference this last week, fellas, I got to host... A, an awesome opening session where we talked about markets and, and policy. Uh, had Jackie Klippenstein from the Dairy Farmers of America, Stephen Kane uh, from National Milk Producers Federation, and Joe Outlaw from Texas A&M University. Wiesmeyer, by the time we got to the end of the uh, panel, which lasted a full hour, Joe kind of dropped his head kind of sheepishly and said and finally said guys i'm sorry but i i i know i've been so just negative on congress and and the farm bill and the potential to get anything meaningful done and he was negative oh yeah yeah uh, yeah. he's I, I I once had a bet that I lost to him years ago on timing of a farm bill. So I bow to him on his timeline. He's in the loop up there, Chip. So yeah. I would listen to him. Yeah. You know, when it when it comes, it's still funding is still the issue, but it's coming down more and more policy disagreements are are being added to the mix. And when I brought up the fact that Stabenow is not running again in 2024, she wants this to be a legacy. Uh, the, the answer from all three on the panel was, that's exactly right. She does want to get it done. It takes more than one to get it done. And I don't know. And it, nobody knew if they if the farm bill is going to get done in 24. Yeah, well, you, unlike her other times when she was chairwoman, John Bozeman, the ranking member, Republican from Arkansas, is more of an aggressive uh, proponent of what he thinks is needed. So that that's kind of a counterweight to, to Stabenoff's uh, somewhat, Chip. But I'll tell you, the pressure is going to grow if the corn price goes down to around $4 or even under, and this trade policy thing, I'm telling you, when I was in Montana, wherever I go now, the farmers, whether you're Republican or Democrat, are starting to really challenge uh, the lack of, of substantial U.S. trade policy right now. 
we now have the second consecutive year of record ag trade deficits, Brazil's largest uh, world corn exporter for the second consecutive year. They're going to be the largest cotton exporter. USMCA decision uh, for Canada against the U.S. Mm-hmm. And, and growing carryover and lower prices for some U.S. crops, especially corn. All those will lead to more pressure to get a bill done by July of next year. Okay. So w- what's the... Like, I, I understand that sentiment, but what's the what would people like to see? Like announcement of new deals of market access? Do they want to see a doubling down on enforcement? Do they want to see sort of what we heard out of some U.S. dairy groups when we had the USMCA decision was basically Congress fixed this because the, 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 the path that we agreed to didn't agree with us. And so we need to make our own solution very similar to the m cool suggestion that was 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 made on on some of that so like what do people what do people want to have happen here well number one can you imagine how the u.s is going to come out after the dairy supply management program in canada uh when this usmca sunsets that's an easy prediction they're gonna just go ballistic but two yeah they want market access you know you uh, vilsack talks about promotion funding that does nothing if you can't have market access with tariffs involved other countries around the world are getting lower lowering tariffs for their products but we're sitting pat there so that those are some of the reasons sean but is is that is that a result of more of a multi or, or leaving the multilateral approach and moving more to a bilateral approach? That means we're just sitting on our hands here when it comes to the U.S. And, and, and you know, uh, Trump has the, the disconcerting thing. If Trump would be president again, the first week, he says he'll he'll put out yeah. a 10 percent, at least a 10 percent across the board import tariffs on all countries, including yeah. Japan. You think that is not scary in farm country? Well, Here's the, what farmers want for the farm bill. They want a higher reference price because yeah. it's just not cutting it right now yeah. because they, they know that prices are going to be uh, lower the next 18 months. Yeah, there's enough stretch in that safety net that you hit the floor if you're falling and and uh, no nobody wants that. Now, back on trade, back on trade, uh, the the Biden administration. Alexis Taylor will claim some victories through trade missions that happened in 2023. Uh, I know the first thing that they would point to was would would be uh, some greater market access into some markets in India. Uh, that that would be, that's going to be right at the top of the list. Canada is on the list of countries. What was there, guys? Eight countries, I think that the U.S. will be conducting trade missions to in in 2024, and Canada is on the list. And the reason for that is because of the dairy policy. I, there's just no question about that. Well, also, I think, though, a huge purchaser of a lot of U.S. goods, whether it's oh, yeah. U.S. ethanol, yeah. it's, it's, it's U.S. beef. Like, a lot of times we focus about, we focus on... Um, you know, Canadian cattle going south, but uh, Canada is a massive purchaser of 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 finished boxed uh, U.S. beef. So, yeah, and and honestly, they should be sitting down more often. Uh, I I I would argue that I think that you know Canada, the U.S. and Mexico have spent a lot of time through the this first round of USMCA arguing about stuff instead of I think 
doing more sitting down and trying to figure out how we really, really have a stronger economic trade zone between between the three countries, especially in this kind of multilateral world that's out there. Yeah, I'll say again, unless trade barriers are reduced or eliminated in those targeted countries you mentioned, Chip, those eight, all the promotion funding in the world is not going to help. For an example, Japan accounts for the same percentage of U.S. farm exports as the European Union, but USDA did not block Japan from those RAP funds, but they did block the EU. Why? Why? Mm-hmm. Why is that? That's what Vilsack should be asked. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer to that is. Well, that, uh, that 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 USMCA does not sunset until 2026. And I, honestly, over the last month, I have done numerous interviews on our show where people are bringing it up. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of concern about it, and we and like Jim has said to me, we, we don't even know who the players are yet. We're gonna have an election in Canada. We're gonna have an election in the U.S. We're likely to have a conservative government in Canada. Uh, you know, it, it you can argue that Trump is really the favorite to be president at, at this point. That's gonna be a hu- very very interesting dynamic between those two two players. And and Canada is in the in the process of tr- it's sitting in the Senate right now, Bill two eighty. Two, which would make it, it would create legislation preventing any future Canadian government from putting supply management market access on the table. Well, that has groups like Jeez. pork and beef and canola outrage saying that, yeah. oh, great, th- this is this is all about USMCA. So we're going to be talking about a lot about this going forward. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Agree. Yeah, agree. I, I agree that uh, it is going to, well, you know, Jim, when we, NAFTA, good grief. When when uh, we knew that we were going to be moving away from NAFTA and into a, a new round of agreements, we talked about it for 18 months before the talks even started because of all yeah. the positioning that takes place. Yes. Yeah. And it, it Again, if Trump is the next president, he's a lame duck from day one. Yep. And so he's not he's not beholden to any state anymore. Right. So it, it'll be Trump on steroids. And I'm telling you, from a trade policy perspective, if Bob Lighthizer is USTR in, in his first administration, comes back as either as U.S. trade rep or White House chief of staff, they're two peas in the pod, Chip. You're going to yep. you're going to have trade wars across yep. the yeah. board. I, I had on that point, I had a Canadian trade lawyer tell me we were talking about Lighthizer's book. And just talking about it, and we both enjoyed it. But he said, you know, really, what this is is a it's a it's a love letter to former President Trump. It's a job application saying, hey, if you're elected, I want to be back in the USDRC. That's <laughs> essentially what that message was from that book. Yes, that makes sense. It <laughs> does make sense. You know, and in the minister in the Montana meeting, Chip Michelle Jones asked me publicly, you know, when you were on AgriTalk and you talked about Lighthizer's book, you know, and she was going where I was like in favor of what a lot what he was saying. Then I responded to her, "You mean I have to be consistent all the time?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried about trade wars now, and I don't well, I don't go with this ten percent across the board. That scares the bejeebers out of me. Well, and. Y- you know, when we talk about that, it, I keep pounding the table saying it's a 10% tax on consumers It, it, it is what that would be. And I, I guess, you know, this is one time that I look at, look, look at, at, at a 10% across the board tariff on imports from any country. I look at it more from the consumer's point of view than I do from a farmer's point of view and the effort to 
gain market access across uh, 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 around the world. Right. For, but from You're a consumer's right. point of view, you guys, that that would suck. If they if they want not only a U.S. recession but a world recession, they'll get one. Yeah. Well, think about it. All the transactions, like pick canola meal for example. Uh, you know, the U.S. dairy industry is a large purchaser of Canadian canola meal. And you're going to tack 10% on the cost of that meal yeah. for, for you know, think about the pork trade that goes back and forth. Oh, like it, 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 it really just, it, it's going to add a massive amount of cost to the system for the consumer and further margin reduction for the producer. Yeah. If we're going to get in everything that we wanted to talk about today, we'd have to talk and we probably will talk right through the next uh, commercial break here, but we got to take it. Uh, when we come back, let's talk about some ERP payments. Let's talk about an EPA uh, deadline. We've we we let's talk about Argentina. It's all next here on Agritalk. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. When news breaks, the newsmakers talk about it on Agritalk with Chip Flory. Welcome back. We're going to put a wrap on this week's Free for All. We've got pro farmer policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer, Sean Haney from Real Agriculture, Real Ag Radio. Davis Michelson is here someplace. I know yeah. he's still here. Standing by. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, see, what you guys don't know is that Davis is working behind the scenes and <laughs> and, and sending me messages as we go. And we got to get to to one that, that Davis did suggest here. We'll do that next. I'm Chip, sure. uh, your host, Chip Flory. Uh, you guys, COP28 is going on in Dubai. Uh Global climate meeting conference where people from all over the world travel to Dubai to talk about why we shouldn't be traveling and why we should be eating less meat here in America. Um, Jim, your take. Well, I'll tell you, uh, the North American Meat Export Institute is getting uh, pretty uh, wise. They're using that climate uh, change conference, Chip, the 28th meeting in Dubai. They're highlighting the sustainability efforts of the meat industry uh, via their livestock sustainability strategy, uh, Protein Pact, I think it's called, spot on. They're, they're, They're in the right area right now. Right, right. They are there telling success stories. Uh, yes, we 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 talked uh, earlier this week uh, uh, with a rep from the Farm Journal Foundation, who is in Dubai, talking about very similar issues. Here's the progress that has been made, but we still need to focus 
on nutrition security around the globe. Stay focused on that. Keep your climate issues in mind, and let's move this thing forward. But first and foremost, let's make sure that everybody around the world is is uh, food secure going yes. forward. So yeah, that's well, a, a smart message. strategy. Yep, Jim, uh, Haney. One thing to keep an eye on here: yeah. um, the uh, the delegates did approve what they call a damage fund aimed at assisting countries most yeah. severely affected by the climate crisis. Now, listen to me. This sound I don't know. I'm going to read you the quote from the prime minister from uh, Antigua and Bar- Barbados. I don't know, from Antigua. Barbados. The climate Barbados. problem was caused by the industrialization of rich countries. It is, in fact, how they got rich, and so they do need to show recognition and some responsibility in helping finance the reconstruction and rehabilitation costs of climate impacts. Yeah. Chip, this sounds like global redistribution of wealth to me. Yeah, it is. That's exactly like what they're talking about there. With, uh, it's, with it, no... No attachment of that money to would there actually be would that money actually drive results? Well, that, one wonders. Yeah, problem. What what are these countries actually signing up for if they actually say, okay, yeah, we want to be, we'll take some of that fund money. What's what's the other shoe? Wow, there can be all kinds of strings attached to it, but without any accountability, it doesn't right. matter. Right. So. Uh, yeah. And am I cynical Still a lot that maybe the resorts Jeez. get rebuilt first? I mean, right. is that being too cynical? <laughs> no. Okay, let's move. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, it's an important topic, and it's something that we'll, we will continue to watch because yeah. there's a, another week, right? It's just starting. It's just starting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it goes on forever, it seems like. Okay. It just keeps on giving. Uh, Jim, the latest on the 2022 ERP payments suspended uh they're still taking applications out in the county offices but i've been told processing on payments are on hold Uh, so Mm -hmm. we'll have to see because uh they've they're they may change their their thrust because farm state lawmakers are pointing fingers both bipartisan at usda for really not following law chip and i think they're right yeah and then the inability to get the payments on the pandemic assistance program is delaying that and, and causing some issues out in the countryside too. Well, in the tax area, if, if you don't, uh, we were told this week that if they don't get the green light to process those payments by, uh, you know, next week, uh, December 4th to 8th, there's a chance the payments will wait until the first of, of the year. So there are tax implications. I know USDA at the end of the year has a lot to do, but uh, they, they need to make decisions on this. Yep. Well, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but it, we're probably going to work into the final topic of the day. And this is one that when you talked about it earlier this week, Jim, there was no happy uh, communications from listeners to your host, Chip, on this one. And that is the 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 delay in the E15 decision at EPA and what the true holdup is. Go over that. Well, the true holdup was the refiners got into the EPA. They were probably the last one they talked with and said, you know, you got to worry about prices. Uh, Crop prices could go higher and the lack of supply and things like that. So, you know, when EPA hears that in the White House, they put a hold on it for politics, if nothing else. But at least we've got now the court filings have established a March 28th. 2024 is the target date. The key word there is target date for you for EPA to issue the final final rule 
on year-round sales of E15. Now, while that only applied to eight states, that impact is going to be considerable, as you well know. If they argued affordability, that's that's good lobbying. Like I, I think right now, you, when you're having discussions with politicians, there's so much concern about food prices and general yes. affordability for the consumer. You have to go in with arguments structured around that to to really have it register. And the okay. New York Times has a major story uh, oh, yeah. on uh, use, yeah. using corn as an eligible sustainable aviation fuel commodity. And they're already setting up like, you better watch out here. If you th- This will use a lot of corn and a lot of water for this. And yeah. we're going to get a decision later this month from the Treasury Department whether or not corn is an eligible SAF commodity. And that's key in corn country, I'll tell you. It's, yeah. it's a oh. big issue. It, it, it's a make or break issue, Jim. Yes. There's no question. Yes. I mean, we talk about the decarbonization of ethanol to make it eligible as a feedstock for sustainable aviation fuel. But the, you know, that argument over exactly how much corn is going to be used, is it impossible uh, to produce enough? And then the water usage issues, uh, you're exactly right. It's, it is not done. It was, this was fun, guys. This was a lot of fun. I'm glad that we had you all back. Jim, take care, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Rice meeting next week, Palm Springs. See you there. Well, hopefully you'll come home. Uh, (laughs) Sean Haney, we'll talk to you next week, buddy. Thanks. Cheers, everybody. All right, Sean Haney. Davis, I'll talk to you this afternoon. I can't Uh, wait. You bet when we have a conversation. Who have we got on this afternoon? Oh, yeah, Allison Thompson, the money farm.